broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Hey, what is up, everyone? It is CW. Thank you for checking out the Midtown Business Radio show. I had two great guests for you on this week's episode. Executive Vice President and Chief Sales Officer Mark Vaughn from the Atlanta Convention and Visitors Bureau joined me in the studio to talk about how they're fostering economic development in the Atlanta area by creating greater awareness around the country about the great convention spaces that we have available, some of the largest in the country, and then, of course, all the amenities with hospitality, hotels, and places to eat, attractions for folks to check out near the downtown area where some of our largest convention centers are located. Mark shared some information about some of the impressive national events that are going to be hosted here in Atlanta in some of our facilities coming up over the next two or three years. And criminal defense and sports and entertainment attorney Daryl Cohen of Cohen, Cooper, Estep, and Allen joined me in the studio as well. Daryl talked about his involvement with the Emmys, particularly around the local chapter, as well as some things going on around the area with regards to high-level awards that were achieved by numerous regional and local entertainment and news outlets. And he shared some of his thoughts on how the movie industry is impacting our local economy. Before we get to the full episode, just going to take a quick moment to introduce you to a couple of companies that made a huge impact on me. I'll be working with them through the show going forward. Sweatblock is a company that makes an antiperspirant designed for people that are suffering from hyperhidrosis. And what that is, is a condition where you sweat excessively. It can be in your underarms, might be your hands, might be your feet. Some people even experience it around their face or head. And you might think, C-Dub, what does this have to do with business? But I can assure you, if you are one of those professionals out there in the workforce, have to maybe make some presentations both to clients or to internal colleagues, it can be very, very distracting and really, after a while, begin to erode your quality of life when you're constantly fretting about the fact that you are sweating often through your clothes. Can people see or you know they can? This problem affects as many as 10 million people around the country. And I was one of them and I was getting pretty stressed out, quite frankly, doing some research online, trying to find some sort of clinical strength antiperspirant that would actually work for me. And I came across something about sweat block. I tried the product and I can tell you it does exactly what they say it will do. It can give some folks over a week of no sweating, or at least greatly reduced sweating, depending on the extent to which you experience the problem and how closely you follow the instructions that they give you. I interviewed the CEO of the company, Chase Perlis, a week or so ago. You can check that out in the show archive and learn more about SweatBlock. If you or a loved one is dealing with excessive sweating, you need to get over to sweatblock.com slash CW and request your free trial sample They'll send it out. You'll find out that it does exactly what they say it will do. If like me, you try it out and it changes your life, send me an email through the contacts page and let us know what your story is. Love to hear from you. And we all know how much it costs to try to provide health care benefits to a group of employees. It can be very expensive. It typically goes up every year, especially when you have employees who need to utilize their insurance on some level. So more and more companies now are trying to put greater focus on making wellness type plans and access to workout facilities available to their employees. And those that do a good job of that actually see their workforce 
level of health improve such that their healthcare benefits costs overall go down. And that's why I want you business owners out there to check out Orange Theory Fitness. I interviewed Atlanta Orange Theory Fitness franchise owners and area market development leaders, Laura Salatino and Stacey Valencourt. And I also had the chance to catch up with Orange Theory Fitness co-founder and CEO, David Long. Leading up to that, I had the opportunity to go to one of their studios and actually go through the workout. And I can tell you, it is amazing. I burned 818 calories in an hour. The reason why I'm mentioning it to you here is because if you are a business owner or a business executive and you're looking to provide some cool benefits to your employees, as well as potentially bring down your overall healthcare benefits cost, take Orange Theory Fitness up on their offer to allow you to bring your employees for a free group class in one of their studios and check it out, see how it might help your employees maybe lose weight, maybe possibly inspire them to quit smoking all of which leads to lower healthcare benefits costs for your business. Tell them you heard about it from C-Dub on Midtown Business Radio, and they will get you hooked up. What an awesome team-building event that would be. A lot of fun, something totally different. And it might just end up benefiting both your employees and your company. So tell them CW told you to give them a call. Stick around. I got the full interview with Mark Vaughn and Daryl Cohen. Coming up next. Good morning, everyone. It is C.W. Hall, your host here on the Midtown Business Radio Show. Thank you for making us a part of your day again today. We really appreciate you joining in with us. Real pleased to have with me in studio a couple of folks that many of you may have heard about over time, given their roles around the community. I've got Mark Vaughn. He's the Executive Vice President at Atlanta Convention and Visitors Bureau. We'll be talking a little bit about the impact of the work that they do and the uh, conference and uh, trade show community around Atlanta. It's thriving and uh, many different places that are bringing conferences here and all the business that flows with that. Thanks for taking some time to talk a little bit about that, Mark. Thank you, C.W. Appreciate you having me. And a gentleman I met not too long ago, Daryl Cohen of Cohen Cooper, Eastup and Allen, a firm here doing some criminal defense as well as some sports and entertainment uh, representation and, uh, Daryl, thanks for sitting in with us. I know that you work with some talent on air here that many, many people are very familiar with. So I'm glad to have you with us. CW, I appreciate it. And my talent are ones that sometimes people don't want to hear it because they're meteorologists. <laughs> I'm, into, I'm into weather, so we're, we're always paying attention to your folks. So, Well, Mark, talk about your background a little bit before we jump in and start really talking about ACVB. How did you get to here? What was your path like leading up to your time here with uh, the Atlanta Convention and Visitors Bureau? Well, that's a great question, and and one I get asked uh, often a lot from the some of the younger folks in this industry that uh, we call hospitality. And I stumbled into it as a, at an early age uh, in my hometown of Lexington, Kentucky, where I was working my way through school and needed a job. And a, a brand new uh, Marriott hotel had opened up, and and uh, I went and applied and actually started as a banquet houseman, uh, just moving tables and chairs around <laughs> and setting up for meetings and conventions and really had no idea that I would uh, be where I am today in this industry. Um, but and then I enjoyed a, a, a very robust 23-year career with Marriott Hotels and then got recruited into the job here at the Convention Bureau 10 years ago and uh, have really enjoyed it so far. Well, when we're talking about the Convention and Visitors Bureau What's its function? I mean, what's it trying to do? I assume it's trying to alert the rest of the business community out there of all the resources that we have here to put on a great conference or trade show 
and why you want to be here in Atlanta? Well, we're really an economic uh, development engine of the city where uh, we attract uh, tourist uh, meetings and conventions, trade shows that favorably impact the economy here locally. Um, I like to tell people that uh, the city of Atlanta is, if you picture it as a shopping mall, and our job really is to get people to come to the mall and then they can shop where they need to shop. And that might be uh, one of the many convention centers that we have here in Metro Atlanta, and that might be one of the many the hotels that we have here in Atlanta or a restaurant or an attraction or that sort of thing. But our, our primary job is to get people to come visit here in Atlanta. Well, as you mentioned, there's numerous venues where an organization could have a trade show or a conference or other expo type event. Just what's the extent of the resources that we have here? I mean, it's, it's pretty massive. Um, with the Georgia World Congress. I know they got the airport district and then numerous other. There's the Atlanta Convention Center downtown um, and a host of others. What, what's the extent of our either space or volume of people that we can handle? Well, it's millions of square footage. Uh, I'd have to think about and add them up in my head real quick. But we have really five convention facilities here in, in, in Metro Atlanta, two anchored in downtown at the Georgia World Congress Center, which is the fourth largest convention center in the United States. Many people don't uh, don't realize that sometimes, but it's a massive uh, yeah. facility. And then uh, the Atlanta's Convention Center is America's Mart, anchored right uh, in downtown, connected by the Weston Hotel, a couple uh, million square feet there, too. And then in the outlying areas that are really different niches for different uh, c- customers, you have at the airport, the Georgia International Convention Center, they then move on up north into the Cobb Galleria area and then over at uh, Gwinnett Center, too. So, you know, there is something for everybody here in Atlanta, whether uh, large or small, uh, uh, d- depending on the segment or what you, they're trying to attract. Atlanta is pretty well positioned in that segment. So with ACVB, are you focusing resources on marketing type efforts where you are either attending uh, may, maybe trade shows elsewhere in the in the in the country or putting out some sort of advertising type content what's the how do you get the message out yeah well i would say yes yes and yes to everything <laughs> you said so and we do all of that we have a very robust uh, marketing department uh that and we're in all the major trade publications uh our p- public relations efforts and then our direct sales efforts we have offices in washington dc and chicago illinois that help attract uh, meetings and conventions here to atlanta those are our two largest feeder markets uh uh, so much of what we do is on the association side, and um, and the major associations are located in Chicago and Washington, D.C., so it's a big plus for us. We attend uh, over 70 trade shows outside of Atlanta on an annualized basis that we go and interact and engage and, and talk with people about coming to Atlanta, uh, and they might be existing customers or we're people that we want to talk to to try to try to get them to come. And then we, uh, we also go out and we'll... Uh, we'll visit other people's conventions. Uh, uh, you, you, many people say that's kind of the spying effect, but it's really we're just trying to engage and develop a relationship and really see if uh, if we could be a good partner for them going forward. And most of the time we think we can, and then we engage a little further on that. So are there 
are there more resources coming? I mean, what's the what's the market like around Atlanta and conferences? It would seem like we're having more and more, and as technology and and innovation really becomes that much more of a focus, as I know it is with like Metro Atlanta Chamber, for example, putting much effort behind drawing technology companies here. It seems that there's more and more reasons to have some of those types of conferences here. It'd be great to score a HIMSS, for example, or something like that. Well, and that's a great point. And um, you mentioned the Chamber of Commerce and, uh, you know, Georgia Department of Economic Development would come to mind too. And the the businesses they're, they're trying to attract here, you mentioned technology into the medical space too, are really potential customers of ours as we as we look forward um, when people want to hold or organizations want to hold a convention in any destination they want to be able to attract attendees and being able to attract attendees in a market that has and that if say for instance we're going after a technology convention and knowing that uh, Atlanta has a, a depth um, uh, the depth of technology uh, infrastructure here in metro Atlanta is a good insurance policy to attract attendees to. So all of those things create what we call tremendous destination appeal. And um, the uh, amenities that have come online uh, in the city of Atlanta over the the last few years are really second to nobody in the market. I, I, I travel all over the country. I don't know of any market out there that has the, the entertainment facilities in, in such a really close proximity to the fourth largest convention center in the United States anywhere. And uh, that's a tremendous selling advantage. Um, but our probably number one selling advantage is, is that we have is we have to get people here. And certainly being uh, connected to the, uh, the world's most traveled airport is a, is a tremendous asset for us. And um, uh, I, I tell people I worry about a lot of things. Getting people here isn't one of them, though. Is When it comes to trying to attract, say, one of those larger uh, events to one of our local venues, what are, are there particular things they're looking for? I mean, I would assume, obviously, the space itself, but walkability and proximity of hotel lodging and other entertainment is that are those the things that they're asking questions about or coming to the city to evaluate before they determine what they want to do because i know that there's been a lot of building obviously downtown the the downtown area has has grown just since i've been here in the last 10 years for Mm -hmm. sure in terms of uh, the resources that are down there both from an entertainment perspective places to eat obviously around the aquarium and so forth so what are they looking for well, and you, you've you've nailed a couple of them there. But if you think about how you travel, uh, just as an individual, well, you got to think about one: how am I going to get there? Two: where am I going to stay? Three: what am I going to do in my free time? Where am I going to? Uh, what are the cool places to go eat, uh, and and that sort of thing? And Atlanta is is positioned extremely well uh, in those categories. We can get people here. We have 10,000 hotel rooms within a mile radius of the Georgia World Congress Center. Um, So there's some efficiencies that uh, organizers gain by doing business here. We can... We can house them in a close proximity, which reduces overall transportation cost uh, and uh, those things of things. And then you have to have places where people can entertain. Uh, when we go out, uh, I mentioned earlier, when we go out and go to various trade shows, we, we have a pretty robust entertaining 
uh, uh, schedule that we do where we'll, you know, take 10, 12 people to one of the nicer restaurants in town and try to, you know, convince them that Atlanta's the plot spot where they need to be. And if you look around uh, Metro Atlanta, and CW, you just mentioned it, the last 10 years, think of all the really cool, great restaurants that are yeah. in the city. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. It's really hard to... Uh, not say that Atlanta is one of the great dining markets in the United States right now, and and it's only getting better. So, and we call these amenities, amenities to uh, everything that's around the Congress Center, things for people to see and do. If you want to go to uh, take a, an hour off the trade show floor and walk over to the World of Coke or the CNN tour or the Georgia Aquarium or the Hall of Fame, you can do that relatively easy here, and not many cities you can do that. As far as some of the big shows that we have that, you know, I know that some of the conferences tend to find a, a home city, if you will, and they end up being there for a good period of time. What would you say some of our signature events are that we have going right now? Well, we're very fortunate if you think about the um, International Poultry and Egg Show that's been in Atlanta 70 plus years now. Uh, Henman Dental. Yep. Is, uh, I was there. Has been... A hundred years, just celebrated their hundred year anniversary in Atlanta. Um, International Woodworking comes every other year. The Dragon Con show. Oh yeah, I mean over Labor Day weekend, we 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 introduce the fall season on Labor Day weekend here with the Dragon Con. If you haven't been at the Dragon Con parade down Peachtree Street, it is something (laughs) to see. And uh, uh, so that's what we call, these are really, we call our anchor tenants in town. And and, um, most of which are are booked for many, many years to come here in Atlanta. They've made a commitment. They've grown their businesses here. And we're very, very fortunate to have that. And so we try to fill in around that with other meetings and conventions, trade shows that, um, you know, can... uh, can really affect the economy here locally. You talked about the world's busiest airport right here in town. Um, talked about a couple of things downtown near the Georgia World Congress Center uh, with the aquarium and the College Football Hall of Fame. Talk about how things have evolved here in Atlanta around both amenities, where to stay, where to eat, as well as attractions that someone might go check out while they're here. Well, I tell this story often to folks. And when I was a kid, I mentioned I grew up in Lexington, Kentucky, and we would come down to Atlanta and go to a Braves game or go to Six Flags and go to Stone Mountain and then pack up the car and head back to Lexington on on Sunday. And now there's so many more things to do. You can spend, you know, three, four, five, six days here if you wanted to. And whether you were anchored in downtown or or uh, in the, the arts district here in Midtown uh, and branching out to the other attractions around Metro Atlanta, the Six Flags, the, the sport, major sporting uh, venues that we have here, Stone Mountain, a very historic piece of uh, property we have here in, in metro Atlanta. So there's just so much more to do now that uh, uh, we've got a very wide array of you know new attractions to go to, but we should never l- overlook uh, some of the longstanding attractions that we have had here for many, many years that are still tremendous assets for us and, and are very well visited on an annualized basis. Obviously, we're building the new stadium downtown. Uh, that's going to have a measure of a, just attraction just to check it out. It's 
going to be a very high-tech facility. Um, looks like it's going to be a very nice-looking building as well. But are there other things coming or, or in the works right now that might be worth talking about so that somebody thinking about where to place their event might want to say, wow, we should go check that out? Yeah, and I think it's anchored really by the uh, new Mercedes-Benz football stadium there. Um, you know, the Georgia Dome will will come down in um, April next year or begin to come down in April next year. Um, the plan is to build a new thousand-room hotel there, right where that goes. So uh, that'll really help us uh, even more on the meeting and convention side. Uh, so we'd really have two hotels that would anchor uh, that facility, the Omni Hotel on one end and then the new hotel on the other. Um, total repositioning of the Georgia World Congress Center, uh, which would include, um, you know, several upgrades to the existing facility. But I think more importantly, what it, uh, the uh, the big item that would be is uh, it's really more space efficiency more than anything, but it would add a couple hundred thousand square feet of space to connect buildings B and building C together, which would give us uh, over a million square feet of what we call contiguous space. Right. Uh, our largest building, uh, building B, is 650,000 square feet, which is a good, great size building. But uh, as shows, uh, major trade shows grow that require a minimum of a million square feet. And there's only three other destinations that would have that, and we're going to be able to get in that game now as well. So that, that's a big win for us. The 2020 vision for uh, Centennial Olympic Park is pretty phenomenal, really. You, they have, it's on their website. You can see all the great things they're going to do. But Centennial Olympic Park, anchored uh, in downtown near Atlanta, uh, we'll go uh, through a total repositioning. Uh, they started it really last year where they shut down International Drive completely and just made it p- pedestrian friendly. But the whole new sight lines, they've just purchased the Chamber of Commerce building there in downtown. So that, that will come down and be a part of Centennial Olympic Park, which will really change the sight lines of how you view uh, downtown overall. I guess it'll open it up a fair amount so Absolutely. you can really see from over there. It'd be really, really nice. Would you say there's some events on the horizon that maybe you all have been able to form some relationships with, with all these new developments that are coming to town that you can talk about, or do we have to keep them under wraps? No, I think we're, I think we're good. Great talking about them now. Yeah. And some of the major sporting events, uh, have committed uh, to Atlanta. We'll, uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium will open, uh, this time next year, June 1 next year, and we'll, uh, kick off, uh, the first, uh, major event, uh, uh, outside of the the Falcons uh, play opening that season with the college football championship in January of 2018. And it's a really um, great event for us. College football is so important to our uh, to our to the south and to uh, uh, the residents of Atlanta. Um, it, it'll be a really, really exciting time for us here. And then uh, we'll kind of clean that up and um, move on to the next one, which will be the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 53 <laughs> here in 2019. And we just got awarded that a, a few weeks ago. And we're really excited about it. Um, and then we'll we'll uh, clean that one up and move on to the, uh, to the next Final Four here in Atlanta in 2020. Now, are they going to do that at the new stadium as at well? At Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Everything will be at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So when it comes to the Super Bowl, is there anything in particular... I mean, obviously the facilities are great, but what do you think really 
push it over the top for us. Well, I think it's a lot of what we talked about here earlier, and that is the amenity package here in Atlanta is superior. And uh, there's nobody's going to be lost for anything to do. Nobody's going to be lost for anywhere to entertain. Nobody's going to be lost for anywhere to to eat and and have a good time. And, and Atlanta does big events really well. Uh, and uh, that probably better than than uh, most cities out there in the country. I think there's a comfortability standpoint when you have an asset like Mercedes-Benz Stadium that is surrounded by 10,000 hotel rooms, uh, the various attracting attractions and entertainment facilities, the restaurants and that sort of thing, really makes it an attractive destination for that. And if you think about, you know, as you mentioned 10 years ago, well, we did the last Super Bowl we did here was in 2000. You know, we didn't. There was a lot of the amenities that we have currently that weren't there now. That's they right. They weren't there ten years ago. Either. Yeah, that's right. So. Yeah, but, but there's cranes downtown. You know, constantly for sure since I've been here. And when we're when we're looking at all these events, obviously the the Super Bowl will be massive with its uh, draw of not only people to see it, but all the other things that come with it, with the press corps and all of that, it's obviously going to draw tens of thousands of people to the city and much money will be flowing. So what, from an economic perspective for events like that, and then just our convention type uh, business industry, I mean, what does it mean for our local economy? Do you have ideas on what that total impact is? Yeah, the t- the um, economic impact on a Super Bowl is roughly $400 million um, to a city. Um, you, you know, overall, this industry in Atlanta is a, is a $15 billion industry. Uh, it's it's significant, the, um, um, the amount of jobs and tax base that, that the hospitality in- industry provides here. And you get to that point by having great facilities, great uh, airports, great restaurants, and all that. But it's really our southern hospitality here that really sets us apart from anybody else. People can have a good time here. They feel warm. They feel welcome. And um, that's been uh, a trademark of Atlanta for many, many years. I remember it vividly when I was a young kid and we'd travel down here, how nice people were to us as a visitor. And uh, I, uh, that's not changed yet. And I, I hope that it doesn't. I don't see it changing either. Any final thoughts before we uh, jump over and chat with Daryl a little bit about their firm? No, I think we've we've covered most of it. It's a great time to, to be in Atlanta. So many really, really great things going on. And I think we've just scratched the surface of uh, even some better things to come on down the road too. Where do folks need to go to get more information either about Atlanta Convention and Visitors Bureau or some of the other services that we have here that y'all work with? We'd love to have them visit um, www.atlanta.net and you can find out everything to do in Atlanta. That sounds great. I really appreciate the opportunity to have you sit in with us because clearly there's some things on the horizon that we want the country to know about and and uh, I'm Good luck with drawing some of those even bigger conferences here once the expansion downtown is complete with the conference center. Thank you. Thank you. So, Daryl, introduce folks to to your firm. Um, I had a chance to meet you, oh, gosh, a few weeks ago now. It's been uh, so, you know, talk about the, the practice that you're in and then we'll talk about your work with the Emmys. Okay. Well, my practice is 
what I consider to be a lowbred as opposed to a hybrid. I do <laughs> hospitality law, representing a number of people in the industry who normally are on the outside of a contract and they need to be taken care of as they've exited whatever chain that they've been working for or property. And the firm is actually an all-purpose firm. We do just about everything, whether it's corporate. We represented the National Emmy for a while, NATUS, which is the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. It's one of two organizations that take care of the Emmys. We do personal injury. I personally do criminal, and I've, over the years, represented some of the highest profile people that are both fun to represent and very frustrating to represent, from Lisa Lopez years ago to Kid Rock to Neo. I mean, the list goes on get to meet some interesting characters that way. Oh, you bet. Are you able to talk about some of the folks that you represent that are on the air that people would be going, oh, yeah. Sure. We represent several meteorologists. I don't know how that happened. It just did. <laughs> if you watch the Weather Channel, which, interestingly enough, received the Governor's Award from the Academy on Saturday night, I represent Jim Cantori, who is just one of the most fun, exciting people ever, and he just freaks out as a 15-year-old, and he's far older than that, when there's thunder snow or, yes. <laughs> or when someone is watching. And he loves to do very high-velocity, high-intensity things such as, and I choke when he does this, he jumps out of airplanes or he went up with the Blue Angels, and I keep saying, Jim, you can't do that. You know, that's It's bad for business it, if something goes wrong. If something goes wrong, there <laughs> is no longer a business. But he's exciting, and he goes around, and he makes speeches, and people love him because he's just so energetic and dynamic. And we're lucky enough to represent David Chanley, who's the chief meteorologist now at Fox 5, that I prefer to call Foxy 5. Yeah. And David was with SB for years. And Jen Carfigno, who is with the Weather Channel on the morning show. So we do a lot of that sort of thing, and we represent people who are doing reality shows. We had people on Big Rich Atlanta, which was a just horrendous reality show, more so <laughs> than most of them, and it died after a, a brief run. We have really a very, very good time. We've represented people that have sold N.A. Watts. She sold ancient wrestling footage to Vince McMahon. And she had footage that was from the 80s, and Vince wanted to have everything. So now he, at a very nice profit to her, uh, has everything. We just have a really good time, and our people are unique. We represent Lucille's Seals of Tough TV. They just moved into the offices in the basement of GPTV on 14th Street, not so far from here. The firm itself, we do, as I mentioned earlier, we do just about everything. So you, you mentioned the fact that you've been with uh, the Emmys as uh, one of the leadership team there for a period of time. Talk about the Emmys and its, its uh, recent event. Well, the Emmys are a very interesting thing. Most people see the Emmy and they don't know anything other than it's that piece of metal. There are actually two academies, and there used to be one. There are two academies, meaning one is ADIS, the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, and they're on Lancashire in L.A. and have a fabulous, fabulous campus. They do the prime times. And they have one chapter that goes with them, and that's based in Los Angeles. They do local Emmys. The other academy is NATUS, which you don't want to spell backwards. It's the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. And they have numerous chapters throughout the country. 
They also do the daytime Emmys, which at one time was just fabulous when soap operas were everywhere. Now soap operas are contracting. They do any programming, national programming, on a network or national basis. They also do the sports Emmys and the news and documentary Emmys, which are really cool. Usually they're in New York at Lincoln Center. The local chapters, and that's what I was, for a while I was chairman of the National Academy nationally, and then I've been president of the local chapter a couple of times. We did the event, it's a yearly event that we've held at the Grand Hyatt since it was the NICO. So it goes back to about the early 90s when we were there. We've been everywhere. We've been to Mark's Old Place, the Marriott. We've been to the Omni. We've been everywhere, but we found a home at the Grand Hyatt because they love us. And when somebody loves you, you don't want to go looking. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, they say here in the South. So we also believe in dancing with the one that rung us. Saturday night, we had a wonderful show. It was long because... Local programming is a thing of the past, but news and documentaries is what we do locally. So all of the stations, and we are the Southeast chapter, primarily Atlanta, obviously, but there's Greenville, there's Asheville, North Carolina, they won some awards, Savannah, Alabama, Mississippi, and it was just a great evening that starts, and you have to loosen people up, so a nice cocktail champagne party early on is a good thing. We were in the ballroom at the Grand Hyatt that with all of the load-ins, with the staging and everything, will seat comfortably 600. Well, somehow, with the permission of the fire marshal, we sat about 655 people, and we had a standing-room-only crowd and a waiting list. So that was a great evening. But before that, Mike Britt, who is in charge of the student awards. People like to refer to them as the student Emmys, and they're not because we are constrained from doing that. But the student awards are all of the high schools from around our chapters, area of demographic influence, can enter. And it's basically an Emmy, but they don't get an Emmy. They get a crystal pillar. And the kids on Saturday afternoon, and I refer to them as kids. We're older kids. They're younger kids. They were just terrific because that's the future of the broadcast industry as we're ever going to know it. These people are talented. They work hard. They do put together an incredible show. And it's and really an Emmy or anything done is a show. It may be a 30-second show, but it has a beginning, it has an end, and it has the guts. How does that process flow in terms of being – Do they does – if I do a piece and I'm particularly proud of the piece, do I submit it? Or is it something that someone else, apart from its creator, that has seen it or viewed it or aware of it, has to nominate it for consideration? How does that process flow? And the answer is yes. So all of the above. <laughs> you got it. Normally what will happen is if you're with an entity, a station, or your private production company, Titan creates or Titan pictures, clients of mine that actually entered one a couple of enemies this year and three last year. You like what you've done, so you enter it and you pay an entry fee. And those entries are judged not by us because we may know you and we may be biased one way or the other. So they're sent to a chapter that we change and exchange Emmy entries with. Okay. It may be New York chapter. It could be San Diego. And of course, I love to go to San Diego because the weather is always terribly good. <laughs> when we're there. And they will judge the Emmys. 
and there's a scale which they use. They don't know who it's, hopefully they don't know who it is that enters, but they look at the Emmys and they have a team of people on each program that they look at it and they'll say it's Emmy eligible or it should win or it may not win. And then there's a scale where they vote. Every once in a while, there are no winners in a particular category. That's unusual. Interesting. Sometimes there are two winners in the same category. This year, I don't think we had that happen. In the past, we've had several categories where there have been two winners. And we don't like to say winner. We like to say the Emmy goes to. Now, I don't know the difference, honestly. It's just lingo that we use within the Academy forever. Well, I mean, how, how, how many pieces are they evaluating in a given chapter. So looking at the one for the Southeast chapter, how many different pieces would you say are being submitted for them to review on a yearly basis? This year, we had the largest number of entries ever, and I think we had 1,100 entries, which translates That's to- That's a lot of time. Well, it translates to too many people in a ballroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and being Southern, everybody waits till what they consider to be the last minute, and then there's this rush of people, and you gotta let me in. No, I can't, there's no room. You, oh, I gotta go. So it's one of those- tough hurry up and wait sort of like the old army days of hurry up and wait mm. 1100 entries judged by in, in many many categories judged by another chapter now you said that the weather channel won a large award you mentioned they won the governor's award talk about that a little bit because it's pretty significant it is as i like to say it's a big thing the highest and best award a chapter can give is the governor's award and that can go every year. It can go to several people or several entities, or it doesn't have to happen every year. And it's designed for the person or entity that is almost bigger than life, that creates, has a major impact on television in our region. And of course, because the Weather Channel is national, they can't enter local Emmy stuff because everything they do is national or international. But because of their economic impact, because of the impact that they've had on the business, especially of meteorology, we felt like, and they've always been in our corner, ours meaning the television business corner, we felt like they deserved the governor's award more than anybody else or any other entity. And in the past, WSB, WHEA, WXIA, CNN, Ted Turner, all of these entities and people have won the governor's award. You mentioned the economic years. impact of, I, I, I don't necessarily think of economic impact and Weather Channel, but how, do, how does that fit, fit together? Well, there is a approaching snowstorm, we think, they say. And what's the impact? They, along with other local meteorologists, will say, look, prediction is there's going to be snow, sleet, or ice. So what happens? You go to Publix, Kroger, whole paycheck, fresh market, and you can't (laughs) find bread, you can't find milk. That's a big impact. And also, it's good if there's going to be something at one of the larger venues. They know what to expect. They know, for instance, several years ago, when we had the major snow and ice storm that snarled the city, the streets, the roads, everything, I was supposed to do a gig on CNN and I left my office, which is in Vinings, zipped down to the downtown connector, and that was it. Five hours later, I called CNN and said, you know, I love you guys, and I hope you don't hate me, but it's not going to happen because I am sitting 10 feet 
further south than I was four hours ago. Right. But the impact, there's negative impacts and positive impacts, but if they can tell you what's happening, you can adjust for that. So I think it's had a major impact. And of course, they've changed the way people look at the weather. The weather affects all of us. That's one thing that no matter what we do, it affects us. Personally, in the old days, before we had these wonderful handheld devices that had the radar on them, I would go to the Weather Channel because they had, quote, weather on the eights. And I'm, yeah. a, I'm a tennis player. Mm-hmm. And I'd watch that line of thunderstorms and say, okay, I've got two hours. we got to rush. <laughs> or forget it. It's just not going to happen. Major. But, and clearly, they've been able to make weather entertaining to watch in terms of different stories that they do and everything. So I, I, I know that they've certainly been a pioneer in making putting it on the map, if you will. Well, they've done incredibly well. David Clark, who's been president of the Weather Channel for the last several years, has just reinvigorated and changed the whole Weather Channel the way it is. And you may or may not know they sold their digital part to IBM earlier in the year. So now the Weather Channel is strictly, though people don't know it when they go to their app, it's divided. IBM owns the digital and the Weather Channel, which is a consortium of organizations and entities that own it, does TV and they do it well. So Jim was on the cover, I think, of the Boston Globe a year or so ago. You know, the picture says, Ken Torrey's in town, we're in trouble or something like that. So (laughs) they love to see him. But they hate it when he's there, especially during the winter or when there's a tornado outbreak. They show up afterwards, and it, it can be devastating. But it, it makes people aware. It changes the way we live. So if something bad is going to happen, we know that now in all likelihood, and we can prepare for it, which is also an economic impact. You work in the sports and entertainment space. Has the evolution of Atlanta and and indeed the Southeast, but particularly the city has put much effort into attracting the filmmaking industry. Has that affected you in any form or fashion or are you kind of, you know, your, your, your clients are abroad and so it doesn't necessarily matter? Well, on the film side, it's been a major impact. There are 40, 45 productions going on at any given time, 35 to 45, which has been major. Film Friendly Georgia. I was at a meeting yesterday where a young woman that was talking, works for the state, economic development, was talking about the impact. Well, let me take you back to about 1974 when we had the first film department and Ed Spivey, who some of you guys may remember, he had been a DJ on a local station, WGST. We used to call him Old Blue Eyes. And we had all this film. Well, we had Burt Reynolds, and then later we had Burt Reynolds, and then we'd have exteriors because we weren't friendly. We wanted people. Right. But frankly, when you look at Charleston, South Carolina, or Savannah, Georgia, they look the same from film purposes. When you look at the panhandle of Florida, of North Florida, or South Georgia, it's the same. So we needed to do something to invigorate and bring people here. And there were several people that went out of their way for years. Shay Griffin, who's a friend, a client, has casting director. She worked for many, many years bringing films here. Rick Wrights, unbelievable. Wilbur Fitzgerald. And they lobbied the governor and they lobbied the legislature. And when the film and tax credits came to Georgia, here came the productions to Georgia because it was now an economic 
thing for the companies to come here. It made that it made sense. It made economic sense. And because we're not highly unionized, it made it even better. So we watched as North Carolina said goodbye to their film and tax yeah. credits. We watched as Louisiana diluted theirs. We watched Florida, who used to be just killer. All things change. I remember when Michael Coles, who was the chairman under Governor Barnes, he worked and worked and worked trying to bring films here. And he liked to tell the story that he went to the governor of North Carolina and he said, well, what's your secret? How do you bring in films? And the governor looked at him and said, our secret is we do everything. And so Michael came back and said, this is what we need to do. We need to do everything, whether it's the hospitality industry, whether it's the honey wagon, bringing the food, mm. doctors. I remember being at a wedding several years ago with a main man by the name of Tom Voss, who's now in, in San Diego. He was the GM of the Grand Hyde at the time. We were at a wedding at the Ritz, so you know all that stuff goes on. And he got a call because the cast from Dumb and Dumber was staying at the Grand Hyatt. It's a Sunday afternoon late. And one of them was obviously dumbest because he stood behind a golf club as someone was swinging it, and he lost numerous teeth, and they were looking for a cosmetic dentist, and we provided that. These are things we don't think about. We all think about our eyeglasses breaking, or we have we trip and fall, we go to an orthopedic surgeon, but this is an impact that no one really gives any consideration to. Yeah, and of course we have tons of medical resources here in Atlanta as well. Have you seen, Mark, have you seen the, the movie business really have an impact on either companies wanting to develop more in terms of the hospitality side of things? I know that there are companies out here that do like executive housing to try to handle some of that, but how does you, have you seen it happen? you know, uh, impact your side of things? Well, don't know if I've really seen it impact any on the development side, but I think what it's done is it's it's forced or challenged the industry to be a little more, more creative than uh, maybe what we've had in, in the past and look at that industry very differently. And um, some of the major um, – uh, productions that have been filmed here have been filmed in some of the hotel ballrooms, some at America's Mart, some at the Georgia World Congress Center. So we have things that they need, which is space, and um, um, and so that that's where they've they've kind of looked at it differently. But I think, um, as Daryl said, there's a there's a lot of spokes in the wheel here that. Uh, benefit and uh, that contributes to the economy. You think everybody's got to eat, you know, the, the flowers, the, the hairstylists, the, uh, and, and, and I'm no movie expert by any means, but if you kind of think about things that might go into that, they all have to have a presence here in Atlanta now. And, and uh, I think it's been a tremendous asset for the city. Well, uh, you know, it's it, you can't really turn a corner half the time now without seeing a sign about a you know set and crew and that kind of thing. So, as you were saying, something like forty-five at, at a time going on any given time. That's oftentimes. Pretty amazing. And by the way, in the basement of the old Macy's, they shot Divergent, much of it. So you look at an old building and you see that's where they shot that film, really, and it makes a difference. Uh, Pinewood Studios, the old Lakewood. I've got. Titan Creates just bought an old prison in Eatonton, Georgia. They're turning that into film production. So it's everywhere. It's something that has impacted us in a way. Melissa Goodman, who's the 
Screen Actors Guild slash AFTRA that was gobbled up by SAG is she's the executive director and she's watched an unbelievable amount of hours go in every day that she had no time for multiplied that she has running from here to there. And we've watched the number of actors, the number of talent agencies grow from five or six. We've, we've got, I think 25 or so right now, some legitimate, some not. We've got acting coaches, all sorts of things that people don't think about directly, but it makes a difference. And it makes a positive difference on Atlanta. Talk about where folks need to go to get information about your firm, your services, and and uh, any other contact information you want to share. Well, you can go to ccealaw.com. You can go to Daryl Cohen, and I'm fairly easy to find. I think I'm the only lawyer around that talks on radio and does commentary on television, and people find me fairly easily, for better or worse, and we're easy to find. Well, I really pr- appreciate both of you. I know you're busy in, in your respective jobs and, and what you're trying to do. So having you here in the studio is much appreciated. And if you're checking us out uh, on the podcast, you have, if you've not done so already, in the upper left-hand corner of the show page, you'll see the Apple logo there. That'll take you over to the iTunes store where the Midtown Business Radio Show podcast lives. And you can subscribe to us. And that way, each week when the new episode comes out, it's downloaded straight to your device for you to check out when it's convenient for you. So make sure you subscribe to us and get linked up with all these great guests we're introducing you to every week. We hope you turn around and share it too, because you might just put some information in the hands of somebody in your network that you care about that makes a big difference for them. And all you did was share the share the link to a podcast that somebody got to check out and, and it helped them out. So we'll say thanks in advance for that. Mark and Daryl, thanks for uh, stopping by, man. Thanks Thank you. Having, we'll have to have you back us. down the road. And everybody out there, make an appointment to see us same time, same place next week.